and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Essential Property Podcast. For a change, I'm introducing it instead of my colleague, Amanda. She says she's a little bit tired of doing the introduction, so she <laughs> thought I need to kick off on this particular episode. It's been probably about a month and a half since we've done an episode with the summer, death of the Queen, new move, new schools, a whole bunch of stuff happening, which has kept us away from the podcast. But we're back with some new information, some new insights to help our colleagues out there that are investing in Stoke, Newcastle and crew. This particular episode is going to be focused on crew. And the reason for that is that we think some strange things are happening. Strange good, but strange that we've never seen before. So we're going to kick off and really just make this all about crew and why we can't find any availability for any rooms anywhere and what the reasons are, what we think is going to happen going forward, what needs to change. And most importantly, where are the opportunities? for existing and new landlords looking at the area. So with that, let me hand over to Amanda and she can tell me why she thinks that there's no availability in our inventory for crew at the moment. Are we doing that greater job in terms of renting landlord properties or a landlord selling up? What do we think the reason is? Okay, so are we doing a good job? Yes, of course. But let's have a look at the crew market. So we spoke about it on previous episodes. Article 4 put a bomb in crew amongst the landlords. And that initially just made everybody pause and think, okay, we can't do HMOs in crew anymore, which isn't strictly true. But that's the sort of narrative that seems to have been projected across the town. So November last year was the first or the start of the change for HMOs in crew, for sure. So that saw an initial slowdown of purchases and people just not having the appetite as much for HMOs in crew. So less supply naturally, with a little bit of an increase in demand, rents have gone up, tenants don't have as much choice anymore. So the existing stock has been filled. That's, you know, the 101 of it. We have been looking at what other investors are doing. We can't really see any activity on the planning portal for HMOs in crew. I had a quick scan to see who is putting in HMO applications for crew. And the last six applications that were on the portal was either us or our landlord partners. So perhaps there might be some other stuff going on that I can't quite see. But at the moment, I can't see anyone putting any large developments in presumably on the basis that our sort of friends within the local authority and the councils and so on are not particularly happy to agree them. Let me, let me just jump in there. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Article 4 says that you need to apply for planning. It doesn't say no more HMOs. It just says you need to apply for planning. Yeah. But of course, the intention is to slow down the automatic conversion of three and four bedroom houses into five, six bedroom HMOs, which has happened, hence the reason why there's so. no availability. I think this is where our landlords, our investors need to step up. We know that Cheshire East, crew specifically, needs affordable accommodation. And one of the things which they don't calculate, because you know, this Article 4 was promoted by a couple of councillors, was that nobody thinks about the knock-on effect. Yeah. Yes, you don't get any more 
HMOs popping up all over the place in the area, but there's a shortage of accommodation. Huge. So people coming in end up paying more if they can get it. And if they can't get it, they'll take what they have, which might be substandard accommodation. So it actually doesn't achieve some of the broader objectives of what council housing standards want to achieve. But I think, you know, us partners, our listeners, need to really take another look at crew and not to be scared off by Article 4. I think the other thing as well, when Article 4 comes into a particular area, all of a sudden you go travelling. You go travelling to those parts of the town that you probably didn't look at before. And all of a sudden things around maybe the retail park, maybe around just on the outskirts by the business park, maybe areas like that now start to look... Yeah, back end of rel- the street. Yeah, re- relatively attractive. Yeah. There are lots of areas where Article 4 hasn't covered. We know that Nantwich Road and just off Nantwich Road was the main thing. Hungerford Road was the main area. But West Street also, but not the whole of West Street. Right. You know, we have properties outside and we manage properties outside of that Article 4 area on West Street. I think it's important that we we promote the fact that Crew's still open for business. Very much so. And, and much so. As, 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 as letting agents for HMOs and service accommodation, we're running as full as we can get. We're at 97.6% occupancy yeah. for crew. And literally, as something becomes available, it gets booked online immediately. You know, to the point where sometimes we have duplicate bookings and we're letting people down and say, sorry, you did it for five minutes and the, and the room was booked, which sounds crazy, but that's the way it is. And, you know, I know our team is getting frustrated at their inability to sell more stock or have more stock to sell. So I think, I think the message here, the strong message here is that we need to step up. But I want to go back, and I think we talked about this in previous podcasts, and whilst it doesn't add anything in terms of situation right now, but part of the problem goes back to the change in tax legislation by the Osborne regime when he was chancellor, George Osborne was chancellor, where they made it less profitable for landlords to own property. So some sold, if they were thinking about it, that pushed them over the edge. So there's less stock in the market. Because there's less stock in the market, rents go up. So it's a little bit more profitable to run a buy-to-let than it used to be because you can jack up rents, you know, a very crass phrase, but that's what's been happening. Because they can, because, you know, there's no choice. I speak to agents not only in crew, but around the country. And it's a seller's market. They can literally put whatever the price they want to on properties because there's no stock available, which is a shame. And it's the people who, families that will suffer as a result. But that's where it all started. And in Article 4, HMO legislation changes a couple of years before. has just made it worse. And I know, you know, housing standards the HMO department crew know that they need more affordable accommodation. When you're looking at some some statistics on on crew in terms of employment and stuff like that, I mean, what are the numbers like that, especially post-pandemic, what are they looking at? Are they better, same as places like Stoke and other parts of the country? So looking at the back end of 2021, with the unemployment rates across the country being around about 4.2%, Cheshire East is coming in around 3.6%. So always just, you know, a little bit lower than the national average. About 10%. About 10%. I mean, there's places around the country that are significantly above the national average. Crew always seems to dip under. Population growth is increasing. Salaries are increasing. And it's just a very, what would world we say, Paul? A economical, economic uh, and... Busy, busy town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all—it's always been a bit of a, a honeypot. People have rocked up to crew and got jobs straight away. It's a transient population because people know they can get on employment very quickly. Yeah. I mean, You're- just on that subject, 
we have got such a variety of different people coming to crew at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We had a whole, you know, deluge of families arriving from Hong Kong. Yeah, there's an article in the newspaper on that just the other day, and they they named Crew, Crew Warrington. I think they also mentioned Stoke, but they did the article on somebody moving into Crew and how attractive Crew was to people coming from Hong Kong, which I thought was quite interesting. I mean, we did always wonder why Crew, you know, and what, what the attraction was in particular to that demographic of traveller, through to the current crisis in the care home industry. And we have, you know, people coming in from a whole bunch of domestic and international locations to crew to work in the local facility with, with care homes. Again, the nurses with the hospitals, we don't have enough rooms to house the nurses that are coming in temporarily to work at Hospital. Which I could is, fill them two or three times over with our agencies at the moment. So we could, we could do with more houses on West Street, more houses on Wood Lane, more houses, Minchel New Road, all the ones, what's that other road off Underwood Lane? Badger. Badger, Badger Avenue, all those roads that are relatively close to Leighton Hospital, you know, sort of. And outside of Article 4. And, yeah, outside of Article 4, absolutely. We, we could fill them. Mm. We could fill them. Contractors, which is always in the staple of crew, but just a huge variety and in droves, literally droves. Do you know what is interesting is, is, is that, you know, sometimes we're, we're small property owners, small landlords, small agency, and we're in our little bubble. And we don't realise the implication of some of the real macro decisions that are made at government level, sometimes at the wider level from an international standpoint. But basically, on the back of Brexit, on the back of changes in NHS, failings within the care sector, there's been a deficit of staff, which is meant for those organisations, companies to survive. They've had to bring people in from overseas on special visas to fill the gap. And those people need somewhere to stay. Yeah. And agencies have popped up left, right and centre, facilitating that to make the process smoother for people coming from different parts of the world into Stoke, into Crewe. And all because of governmental changes in policy in one particular area. I mean, it's unbelievable. Nobody could have forecasted this. Nobody could have forecasted this. I mean, on the back of Brexit, a huge part of the population decided no longer to travel to the UK or to exit the UK, you know, which the Brexiteers would be happy about. and then. We just now have people coming from different parts of the yeah, world yeah. coming in to fill those gaps, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, largely ironic. Yeah. But there we go. Well, yeah, we live in we live in a dy- dynamic world, and where there's a gap, other people or other things will fill that gap, just because that's the way market forces are, and we're we're definitely feeling that in crew. So, so how many more rooms do we need in crew? If you had to put a figure on that, do we need another 10, 20, 50, 100? If you say between now and the end of the year and go a little bit longer term than that, say by the whole of 2023, what would you be comfortable in terms of the number of rooms that you think you could move through the team? I mean, thinking on my feet here, I would say if I had another 50 rooms available between now and the end of October, we would fill them. Okay. Like, well, not a problem. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, end of September. But, <laughs> but you know, in the next four weeks, we had 50 yeah. rooms. We yeah. could comfortably fill those. And by the end of the year? Probably take that up to 100 rooms. Right. Added to what we have existing, yeah. I'd feel fairly confident. Yeah. And then just steady growth through 2023, another sort of 10 to 20 rooms every month. You're saying all, thing, all things being equal, notwithstanding that the, 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 the country is hurtling into a deeper recession, because I said two podcasts ago, we were already in recession. If you don't think we're in recession, work on the basis we're in recession. Yeah. So you think in 2023, we would probably want another couple of hundred rooms 
yeah. in 2023, all things being equal. Yeah. And that actually makes sense because during the recession, when people go for a belt tightening exercise, when things become expensive, people trade down. Absolutely. And yeah. I was just about to say about that article that we read, whereby, and it was some guys in the HMO industry, a couple of people that I'm familiar with that actually did an article recently. I can't remember where it was published. And they said that the HMO trend used to be come and move into a HMO for six months, yeah. save up a little bit, and then go and rent a flat. Now the trend is live in a flat, actually, let me get into a HMO. Yeah. The trend's working backwards, yeah. driven a lot by utility costs and people wanting that all-inclusive environment. Yeah. But we are low, we are entry-level accommodation. Yeah. So like you said, people trade down. Yeah. We're also supplying accommodation to people coming in from overseas who initially want that local space. They want the all-inclusive base. They don't necessarily understand all the different utility system, a council tax system, and so on and so on. They want to arrive off the plane in Manchester, take a train down to a crew and know that they've got a room there for the first six months whilst they're working at you know X location. And I can only see that growing. Naturally, we want it to grow for our own business, but just economically, that's how I see things moving forward there. I remember we were trying to do a deal on a building in Westry, maybe six months before the pandemic, so summer 2019. I'm sure you talked me out of doing that deal. No, definitely that was not me because <laughs> I, I actually, I don't have many regrets in my property <laughs> investing career, but I do probably regret not buying that building. 40 rooms we got out of it, subject yeah. to planning. 40 oh, rooms. Subject to planning. You know, that would have been probably the last deal in CW1 on the planning portal. Anyway, that was the past. So what we're saying is that we think the demand will continue because if the economy goes south and, you know, mistrust takes a little bit longer to grow the economy as she's wanting to do. People are going to trade down, so they can go from one-bedroom apartments and studios to rooms, yeah. all-inclusive, yeah. which is what we cater for. And whilst we expect our prices to inch up a little bit, we'll still be competitive for those people that need to trade down, and there's going to be greater demand yes. for that. So where are those proper rooms going to come from? Oh, our lovely podcast listeners <laughs> may just decide to buy a few more properties in crew. But you know, the landlord investment has, you know, has slowed down. So we will buy. Yeah. We always have bought. We will continue to buy. We will promote crew, you know, as we have to our investors as well, our existing landlords, and promote those opportunities as they arise to our landlords and investors to say, look, we found a property here, or there's one, you know, an opportunity to develop over there. And try, and try and cultivate more investment in the area, which hopefully the local authority will encourage the investment into the area. But as we know from previous conversations, that's not always the case. No, it's, always, it's always a little bit more complicated than that. But in terms of, so, so for new investors, they should look at areas outside of Article 4. They shouldn't be scared off by the Article 4 area. They should put forward good schemes, good solid schemes, do their homework beforehand. We could certainly help them on that. And they should put their best foot forward and and invest. In terms of longer term, is there anything for investors to be fearful of? I mean, we're going in a rising interest rate environment. They're talking about sometime between now and end of next year, interest rates could go as high as 5.5%. That's what the market is saying for this last mini budget. And my own view is that, you know, things go up, things go to come, come down. No, no government is going to kill off the market by having sky high interest rates. Yeah, and um, they're not forever. going to stop entrepreneurs wanting to you know, build businesses and grow businesses. If anything, yeah. this period yeah. is when entrepreneurs and investors get excited, let's be honest, yeah. and, and, and get creative. And yeah. if inflation is going in the direction that it has been for you know, the last few months, then investment is almost compulsory just to be able to you know, keep up with, with inflation if you have cash in the bank. So 
you know, if, yeah, <laughs> if you've got 100 yeah. grand in the bank, yeah. I would say put it into a property and crew and let's start getting some rental income yeah. because it's just eroding otherwise. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. I listened to something on the radio today and they said, the guy said, so like a very smart guy, he was talking about. Like you. That was credit. He said interest rates are at minus 5%. And I paused for a second just to, what was he talking about? I said, of course it is. Because if, if, if inflation is running at 10, 11%, Exactly, yeah. that's exactly my point. Interest rates are, if they rise, they're going to go up to about four, four and a half percent. They're still quite a deficit. Yeah. So you need the rental income, you need the capital growth. Now, you've got, we've got a government that's throwing money at everything that moves. And by the sounds of it, you know, our HS2 project, our famous HS2 project is, is still on the rails, pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. I mean, long term, that's our, our part of goal at the end of the rainbow. That crew is going to be at the centre of the northern brand new train line to the north and to the south, which is quite exciting, but it's not going to be starting for a good few years. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a few rough years where, you know, things are going to be a bit topsy-turvy, but those that invest now and have the stomach for it are going to reap rewards when the market comes good, when interest rates come down, when HS2 is on our doorstep and two or three years away from finishing. And it's where the people have the foresight for that and are not scared off by short-term jitters. I mean, we've been investing in crew for probably 10 years now, and we've seen the benefits of that. You know, we made some cracking deals in the early days, and we hope to do more cracking deals now. But the property values forward. have doubled. Yeah. You know, we've seen that comfortable increase in values. You know, we've sold a couple and, and taken the benefit of that. We've refinanced a couple. We've got equity growth. So it's all good from where I'm sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so that's the situation with crew. I think what I haven't heard recently, no mentioning crew is Bentley. Mm. Now, either things are ticking over quite nicely and they're knocking out those, you know, monster four by fours to their Chinese customers and their hip hop customers and their ballers all over the world. Or things are a little bit quiet, but I haven't really heard anything. I mean, they, they went through a period of expansion and added new production lines. But in terms of inquiries for people working at Bentley, I mean, because we have got the availability. Possibly. I mean, we do feel quite in touch with that employer because, you know, when they are hiring, we do, we literally see the applications come in and, and, and less so. But you're right, it has gone quite quiet and perhaps because of lack of availability, let's see what the winter brings, we'll monitor their activity and, and, and see from there, really. Okay. It's, always been, it's always been a fairly strong underpin of the HMO market, hasn't it, Bentley? There's always been the Bentley workers working group, but they're not the only game in town and haven't been for a long time. Right, very true, very true. And whilst we wanted to focus on crew in this podcast, I mean, let's finish up and just touch a little bit on Stoke, Newcastle. Anything new, anything happening on that side of the world? I hear that Stoke are in conversation with the government on this new enterprise zone that they're talking about. Interestingly enough, Cheshire East isn't, but Cheshire West is mm. and Chester is. I'm not sure why, but Stoke are there. Um, I mean, they're there for everything Stoke, aren't they? Yeah. Anything that's going yeah. there, they're trying to yeah. get there position themselves which is great it shows that they're hungry yeah cap cap and old cake in hand they're there waiting yeah. you know so so which is which is great and i i think stoke is going to be great going forward i mean they've started on that new development next to the train station that's chugging along they've got some big developments with set mudwin in and around festival park and bypass roads and stuff like that to make it more attractive for logistic companies and and high-tech companies and stuff like that i read something something came in my inbox about Staffs Council, Staffordshire Council making the area, the region, the logistic hub 
of the country. So there's some big, big plans for now. Obviously, they need capital. Obviously, they need the gumption and the grit to make it happen. It's not really ambition. They're really going for it in Stokes, in and among the other neighbouring towns and cities. So anything else that listeners should know about? I mean, we're, we're as busy in Stoke as we are with crew, to be fair. The availability is the same. We have, you know, close to zero rooms available. You know, the odd one here or there, like you say, just gets booked online straight away. We are taking on more rooms in Stoke this month, probably another 30 or 40 rooms, okay. which will be filled straight away. Good. And we could we could do it the same again. But by, by the end of this year, if I had another 75-ish, maybe, yeah. even pushing to 100 rooms, I think we'd have a fair crack at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stoke doesn't feel, we feel a little bit more comfortable saying next to 100 rooms in Stoke because... It's three times the size of crew. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I see the figures every day and, and Stoke is as busy as crew. And, and with groups. Yeah. Stoke, we have a lot of people that are a group of four or five working yeah. together, yeah. coming together or studying. Because what crew doesn't have, which Stoke does, is is, is the student market yeah. and the international student market, yeah. Yeah, which is where we're seeing the growth. Yeah, right. And what about near the hospital? Are we seeing much activity there? Could we, we do are- some... Some more stuff there. We definitely could anywhere around Hearts Hill, anywhere around Penkel. We'll go straight away. We have nurses living in Hanley, even though they're working in Penkel, just because that's where the stock is. I think, again, I think that does have peaks and troughs in terms of demand. Late in hospital demand is unsati- unsatiable at the moment. I don't feel like it's like that with Stoke, but right. maybe that's just because there's more stock. Yeah, it's a big hospital. I don't know. But Stoke does obviously have a different you know, dynamic, but equally as busy. And what about, I mean, more so for crew, what we haven't spoken about is the social housing sector is that increasing in demand i mean it feels as if we've got a couple of three properties that are with charities or social housing organizations that when they come to the end of their lease we might be quite pleased to have them back because we'll make more money and we can serve the demand that's there do you feel the same way about that or i do think we've we've worked with you know different enterprises and social housing companies for a while and I think that ebbs and flows with, with demand, but we only see that demand probably increasing. So we have to balance a professional market against a social housing market. And when we say social housing, we mean you know giving a whole house yeah. to an organisation, not necessarily working with the individuals, and that's just not our area of expertise. Right. But it's always good because you can give a house, you know, three or four years, five years guaranteed-ish income, relatively hands-off. It's always good to pepper, you know, those through your portfolio, yeah. but the rents are quite low. I, I, I don't think that, some of the local councils can afford to keep the rents low. I speak to someone very recently, and in Cheshire East, they were saying they are pretty desperate for stock to house some of their clients. And they just need space, they need one bedroom apartments, they need whole houses, they need HMOs. Mm. I know some of the organisations that we're working with are moving into that space to assist that particular council, but it still boils back down to stuff. So maybe people have an appetite. I mean, we work with them, we still manage them, we still do the maintenance for them. We've done some training with them in terms of people that are coming into those houses, a bit of a halfway house, learning how to manage their finances, then going out into the real world and, and renting the private sector. We've done a couple of presentations with real one organizations on that. We'll continue to do that. I mean that's our that's our that's our contribution. So so you think the demand there will continue and for those conservative investors that like that consistency that's an outlet for them yeah definitely when we get asked a few times you know can you find me a sort of social housing contract and it doesn't quite work like that i mean we had a call you know a couple of weeks ago from someone who says i need you know 10 10 12 rooms sort of straight away a couple of houses 
So straight away, we, we, we organise that, but they might not want anything for another year or so. So it's not really an on-demand service, but we like to think that we've got enough of a presence that if there is activity going on, you know, we often will get a call to see if we can help with supply. And then we'll always open that up to our landlords. We don't just take those properties for ourselves. The last two that have come in have both gone to landlords. And the two before that, I think we had one of our own properties and another one was a landlord property. So we're always willing to share those sort of contracts across across our partners. And what about what about SA? Obviously, SA thrives in the summer. Service accommodation is you know, a reasonable chunk of our business. Have we seen any changes in that? side of thing be stoke or, or crew anything that's worth highlighting we're still firmly in that space and are very pleased to be in that space we've had a strong summer for the short-term market what i have noticed and i notice this myself when i often travel to crew and want to book a you know room or a property for a few nights because you know we're you know chocolate block hotel rate rates through the summer in crew more so than stoke been very high you will struggle to get anything under 80 or 90 pounds a night in crew where i mean obviously pre-covid the market was completely different but you might have been looking at more like 50 or 60 pounds so the hotel prices have increased one because of demand and two because of just trying to claw back the losses over the last few years which has allowed us to increase our rates so i think we've done two price increases this pretty much this year and the market you know has been okay with that so I think really just increasing rates. We have also seen an increase in expectations from the customer. And I was having a chat with another SA operator only today. And we were talking about expectations and how one person can walk into a house and say, this is 10 out of 10 amazing. And then somebody else can walk in the same day in the same house who says it's an absolute disaster. So guest expectations is, you know, an animal to manage. And to improve your guest expectations, generally speaking, also your guest experience, generally, you know, it needs to increase your cost base. Yeah, and we've invested in our underground operation to follow up and to ensure the guest experience meets that expectation where we can. I think one of the challenges, I don't think I'm speaking out of line here, is that going through into a little bit of a downturn, landlords sometimes can be reluctant to invest in their property because energy costs are going up, borrowing costs are going up, so they don't have the spare cash to do it. And sometimes that's where not meeting the expectation can be a bit of a challenge. We just got to work with that landlord and do the best we can to make money for them and also you know, meet the expectation of, of, of our customer. I mean, I'm fairly confident that when we present proposals to landlords of some things that need to be done, we're doing it on the back of that we know that we can then re-rent those rooms quickly and at a higher rate. So there is a direct ROI effectively on any additional investments that are being made. I'm you know, very confident in that. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I think we've we've had a good run today. We focused on crew a lot and ended up talking about a sprinkling of things between Stoke SA and, and other bits. I think obviously we're biased and we're always <laughs> we're always positive with regard to property investments in Stoke, Newcastle and crew. I think the message that we leave our listeners is that rental business is strong. Take a long term view with regard to investments. Don't think that you're gonna get an ROI of 30% and get your money back in three years, you might want to stretch that out a couple of three years beyond that. But the future looks fairly positive. These are low cost parts of the country where property, you can still be able to pick up property for hundred grand or less. And that in itself has to be something that is worth considering. Yeah. Okay, so we'll wrap it up. Thank you to Amanda, my co-host. Thank you, Paul. And we'll see you next time. 
enjoyed today's episode and if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.